Welcome to the Parallel Play Podcast, hosted by Venetia Rump, where we interview creatives of all backgrounds and mediums to discuss their process, projects, and points of view. Welcome to Parallel Play. I'm your host, Venetia Rump, drinking a couple hard booches, kombuchas, if you're not cool. And I am here with Mr. Bad Guy himself, Grant Marshall. Yo, what's up? Not much, man. We were just chatting, and now we have to pretend that yeah. we just sat down and started talking. Yeah. How are you, Venetia? How are you today? I haven't talked to you yet. Yeah, I I am well. I am having a good day. Good. <laughs> and that's the podcast right there. We did it. Yeah. we're uh, That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Wrap this up and uh, catch you on Spotify. Right on. No, well, but- thank you for having me on the show. This is This is cool. <laughs> this is a true treat. Glad to be yeah. here. Yeah. No, I'm very happy to have you on. I mean, of course. Especially uh we need to make sure that you're able to clear your name after all of the mm-hmm. slanderous comments that Stephen Wilkins made about you being a bad man. On so, this uh, very podcast, yes. Yeah. So can you tell us what makes you a bad man? Well, I'm not. I'm a perfect human being. Um <laughs> but you know, I was you know, you had me set up to come on this podcast. I was like, Great. I saw Stephen was doing it too. I was like, This is great, you know. Stephen comes on here, calls me a bad guy, calls me a wicked man. And I was going to come on here and just wax poetic about what a wonderful man Stephen Wilkins is, how he's a true friend, a great musician, one of my favorite people I know. That's gone. That's out the window. Uh, he, he is dead to me as far as I'm concerned. Stephen's a bad man. And Stephen, if you're listening to this, next time I see you, I'm just going to ghost you. I'm going to walk right by you like we've never met before. Oh my gosh, Steven's actually in the chat right now on YouTube. And really? He said, he said, not likely. The Lord knows the <laughs> truth. <laughs> yeah, actually, me and Steven are hanging out tomorrow. So, you know, all, okay. is, all is actually well. I mean, I was genuinely concerned. I was like, is this the end of hot soda as we know it? No, this is the kind of fuel that drives hot soda. There's a lot of anger. <laughs> we All three of us despise each other, basically. And that's why we rock so hard. It's fueled and that's on why hatred. This- and that's why the soda's hot. That's why the soda is hot. At one point, Stephen also said, we'll see. I, I don't, I'm not quite sure what, I almost feel like having him like call in <laughs> and just settle the score. Bring it on. We'll see. We'll see. I think he and I should just have a wrestling match televised, you know? You know, we can arrange that. It'll we be a bonus episode. each other. That would be cool. I would, I would love to do that. All right. Let's get it on the books. Uh, Stephen also says hot soda forever. So hot soda the, forever. Right on. The camaraderie is, is real. It is fellowship. Real. I love that guy. Full of fellowship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so for those of you that don't know, hot soda is one of the, one of the many musical projects that you're a part of. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? About, like hot, you're about, about, about hot soda, about the music that you're doing. We can, we can dip a toe, do a little intro and then we can go. Okay. Deeper. Yeah, so I'm a, uh, a musician of, sh- of sorts, you could say. Uh, I play instruments and make noise with them and yell into microphones uh, songs. Um, but yeah, I play. I'm a, for anybody that doesn't know me, uh, I'm a banjo player, uh, primarily, I guess you could say, songwriter. Uh, and I play um, bass in some other bands. I play bass in Hot Soda. I play bass in Y'all, uh, Y'all the Band. Uh, then I have another project, a uh, recording project of mine called Vegetable Spectacle, where I play a couple instruments. I do some singing, write some, write and compose some stuff with um, some friends of mine. And uh, we bring out a lot of excellent musicians to play some other parts. Um, and it's just super fun. I just, I love doing this stuff. 
It's awesome. So you have so many like your hands in different pies. You have you've a lot of pies in only two hands. This is true. Is what I'm trying to say here. So mm-hmm. when it comes to having the discipline and allocating your resources, i.e., time, right? Yeah. How how do you kind of navigate that as you're since you are in multiple bands that are pretty active in the local scene? Yeah. Um, I think I'm still kind of figuring out how to balance my time. That's definitely a challenge right now. Um, and I think it comes down to sort of prioritizing what I can give the most energy into in various ways. Um, my uh, trio that I uh, play in, play banjo in, my uh, sort of bluegrass folky trio, Clawdad, is uh, I'd say my main project at the moment. Um, it's where most of my songwriting goes into. Um, we play the most. Um we just put out a record and we're really kind of going all the way with it. And we're super excited about it. Um, we, we play about one to two shows a week. So that's, that's what takes up most of my time. And I think that's what I'm leading the charge on the most right now. Um, the other stuff like playing bass with y'all, I was sort of, I'm the newest member of that group. They were looking for a bass player, uh, probably close to a year ago at this point. I don't know how long it's been. Um, but I've just been friends with all of them. Um, both Alex Huey, she's the the leader and songwriter of the group. I've known her for a long time. Alex Ty, who plays guitar. And then, of course, the uh, the legendary John Pratt on drums, who's one of my uh, closest buds. Uh, I just was homies with all of them, and I was a fan of the band, too. You know, I, like, just love seeing them. And we had done some shows with them as Claudette, which is was super fun. Then they needed a bass player. Some, their person had to move or something like that. And um, they asked me. I was like, sure. You know, I already kind of was familiar with the stuff and then just sort of joined on a to fill in for a gig and then have kind of remained ever since. They haven't kicked me out of the band yet, but it's a fun band. It's great, great song. So I'm just hyped to be there. You know, I'm just I just kind of show up and, and play the stuff and sing back up. Yeah, no. And it's I mean, I've I saw you live with y'all. I mean, and many of I mean, I haven't seen Hot Soda and Vegetable Spectacle live, but I have seen Claudette and y'all live and it's fucking awesome <laughs> the energy hell is always yeah. really good hell yeah hell yeah so claudad you actually played a show at park tavern recently last night yeah yeah how was that it was great it was the first of the little sunset sessions they do it was the first one of the season uh which is really cool for me because um you know they do those every year it's like a free show every sunday um it's like a big beautiful half out so half outside space and I've been going there for to those shows for years. Um, for most of my twenties, I would go just because if because the, they have touring bands come through all the time, and I've seen bands that I've been a fan of just go and watch an incredible show. So then to have been going to those for years and get the chance to play it um, was super super cool and exciting. And it felt I don't know, it felt a little surreal in a way. It's not it's not like it's the you know Madison Square Garden or anything, but it's like to a degree I'm up there. And I'm like wow, I didn't think I'd be up here, you know, after coming to shows here all this for all these years. I mean, that's, 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 we did it last night. It was the second time we've done it, actually. Yeah. How was the, how was the first time? Uh, the first time didn't go so well. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you, do you mind sharing? Yeah, of course. Uh, so we did it late last summer, I think in August. And that was the first time doing it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting like there's always a great turnout at these things like this is a lot of people come to these you know i was so honored to have been asked to do it you know and um 
We're the first of three bands to play. And I get up there, and we're jazzed. We're so hyped to be there. We're just tearing it up. We're going off. And uh, then on the fourth song, uh, I start to notice that my fifth string of my banjo is going horrifically out of tune mid-song. And I'm noticing it. I'm like, that doesn't usually happen. So I kind of stop and tighten the string a little bit, then get back into playing, and it gets loose again. I tighten the string even more. So I kind of have to stop because I realize that there's a piece missing on the fifth string tuning uh, peg that should be there that is not currently there. So then I have to stop the song and I realize that the tuner head itself is also halfway out and then I just pull it out and there's a tiny piece of metal missing that was key to the entire instrument working. And I can't find that piece of metal on the stage. So we're up there. We have to completely stop. And I'm up there like uh, like looking on the ground at the stage, like trying to find this you know magical piece that will save the show. Can't find it. The sound guy's like, what, what can I do for you? I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't have another banjo. So, uh, <laughs> and it's like, not like you can ask a band like, Hey, does anyone have an extra banjo? Cause that's not usually common. Well, funny enough, the, the headlining group, uh, is Blair Crimmins and the hookers. Uh, Blair Crimmins is a banjo player as well. Oh but he, shit. But he plays four string banjo and I'm, I'm strictly <laughs> a five string banjo guy. And I, cur- and at that moment I had a four string banjo. <laughs> That key fifth string wasn't working. <laughs> so then I just grabbed the guitar and we kind of just BS'd our way through the rest of the set. Um, and it was uh, it was definitely a nightmare scenario, I would say. Um, I don't think anybody really necessarily was uh, – anybody that was watching could really – I don't think we blew it necessarily. I think we kind of landed the plane as smoothly as we possibly could. But it was a bummer for sure. I was like, you know, that was like we did we did like a three as opposed to what could have been a ten. Um, so it was sort of a uh, a somewhat traumatizing onstage experience to go through, but um, certainly not the first nightmarish live uh, show experience I've had in my life. So these things only make you stronger, you know. I mean, yeah, absolutely, and not to mention now you now you can feel a little vindicated. You got your second round at Park Tavern, and it went well. You know, uh, yeah, it was a little redemption, I guess. But I was yes, I was, I was terrified it was going to happen again. I was like, if this happens again, <laughs> this place is just completely cursed for me, and I'm never going to do it ever again. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that'd be fair to say. Or there's like someone like sabotaging you at Park Tavern. Just imagine like one yeah, it's weekend with it my instrument when I'm not looking at it. Yeah, 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 exactly. We had, the same, we had the same sound guy last night, and he was like, he's like, you better not break that banjo again. He was joking, literally but. threatening. No, he was actually <laughs> threatening you. He's like, you have to leave this city if this happens again. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. Where would you move? Uh, you know, I just, I just go to Smyrna. <laughs> so I'm still like yeah. right here, you know. Still, <laughs> hey, <laughs> not not Atlanta. You told me to leave Atlanta. Right. No, he's like, actually, that's not what I meant. You need to leave the state. And then it just escalates from there. That'd be pretty terrifying. That'd be another wrestling match type situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Calling each other out. (laughs) So Clawdad is named Clawdad now, but it used to be called Thunderbird Trio. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So why the name change? Um. So we sort of we landed on the Thunderbird Trio initially because we got our first uh first gig and um our first like proper show. So um I guess to back up a little bit, so this this band formed out of another band that we played in called Grasshound. It was a five piece bluegrass band. 
and um, our guitar player uh, Brent Boldy and our uh, mandolin player uh, Mark Lindenberger had to. They both moved for work separately, so there was just three of us left: uh, me on banjo, uh, my buddy Sam on bass, and John on fiddle. And we were like, well, maybe we can just form a new band. I was like, I got a bunch of new songs. Like, we can see if we can have a different setup here than like a traditional five-piece band. So we, then we booked this brewery gig. Um, and we're like, let's just see if this works. It's a three-hour gig. Let's see if we can make this happen. Um, and we were trying to figure out a band name. We kind of went through a bunch and then sort of landed on the Thunderbird Trio. You know, we were all kind of, yeah, it's fine. That, that works, you know. Um but it wasn't something we that really had much of an identity for uh, who we were and kind of just didn't feel connected to us necessarily because we have no connection to the Thunderbird car or anything <laughs> like that. You know, like so yeah. there's that thing that people would like, oh, Thunderbirds are cool. Like we'd tell people that and I'm like, but like that has nothing to do. We don't have any songs about cars. Like we just don't have that vibe, you know, like it's kind of a long band name. I didn't like the three and I didn't like the word trio in there. It was just kind of like this just doesn't feel like what we're doing because what we're doing has a very specific identity and voice, I think, that is sort of unique to the folk world. So mm -hmm. I wanted a name that reflected that. And then we had a lot of discussions about that. Then I eventually landed on Clawdad um, because I play Clawhammer banjo and I sort of wanted to work that word claw in there. Also because claw is a cool word. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, and also because, like, there's sort of a uh, – in a lot of my work, I suppose you could say, or my music, there's sort of an, a running theme of food, which hasn't necessarily been on purpose. But if you're familiar with what I do, you probably have picked up on that. Um, I have a lot of songs about food and drinks because I think that's funny. Uh, <laughs> and it's and a, food and a drinks are universal. Yeah, it's a worthwhile – it's a – thing that's worth singing about and making stuff about i don't know it's just funny and cool we have a song about boiled peanuts and we have song we have we played crawfish boils and we had done stuff like that like and you know we kind of go to we play bars and whatnot and just are kind of in that the sort of deep fried southern um world and we're you know food is always around and, and whatnot and we sing and joke about food a lot so then i after doing some of those crawfish boils i was like yeah like I was like crawdad, you know, crawfish, craw, clawfish, crawdad. So then I kind of got to clawdad, and then we had a big discussion about that. And I, I pitched the uh, the logo idea, um, which is inspired by uh, if you've ever seen, if you've ever been to a gas station that has seafood, there's these crawfish flags that look just like this. It just has a crawfish on it. It's a yellow flag. It says crawfish. <laughs> there's no banjo, but I've always thought that was so funny. Like you just. Like you just see like Louisiana gas stations are just like at cookouts in random places. You'll just see this massive flag that says crawfish. And I just it's always <laughs> stuck in my mind. And I was like, okay, well, what if we did a parody of that and just had our band name on it? Claudette. And then we put a little banjo in his hand. So that was part of my pitch to the guys. And they were like, okay, well, sure. If you, you know, are into this, you know, they were, I think they were a little hesitant at first, but. I think we kind of got the branding going. I got them on board, and um, yeah, that's that's how it happened. I don't know. That's the most interesting tale of uh, band origin, but you know, these things always go through phases. I feel like very rarely can a project like be fully formed right out of the gate. It takes a long time to kind of find and dial in exactly what the voice is or what um, the style is or you know the identity of it. Um, 
and it took us, I mean, we're, we've been together for like a year and a half at this point. And I think over this year, I think it's when it's kind of reached its, its um, proper current form. Whereas before we were really trying to figure out what our songs were, what our style was, what our vibe was. And I think now we've kind of reached it and um, we're, uh, we're running from there. Yeah, no, I, I love the brand. I love the name. I love having like a little further like insight into it. So thank you for sharing that. And I had no idea Louisiana because I've never been to Louisiana. Like the farthest I've been in the South specifically has been Mississippi. Mm, and okay. yeah, I, d so like, like the like brand, <laughs> just like some graphic designer representing Louisiana be like crawfish. <laughs> I don't, I don't actually know what those flags are for. I've just like been seeing them for years and my brother has, we actually have one in the house somewhere. I wish I had thought to grab it, but, um, I live with my brother and he, um, he took one from somewhere years ago. So we have a giant, uh, crawfish <laughs> flag and it's just funny. I don't know. And I even just kind of rework that into, into this and it's just become the logo and I'm not, I don't know. I like it. I love it. It's great. It's recognizable. It's just, it's, it's easy. It's simple. It's to the point and people know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. It's one yeah. word. The one word was the hardest. That's like, that's like, it's there's every band name is taken. You know, it's so hard to start a project and try to have a band name that doesn't already exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You do have to like make up words pretty soon. People are just going to be using like syllables, mm -hmm. you know? We'll see. Or just symbols like that one, like Fortet uh, side project. For those those of you that know, you know. It's like all like symbols and like wingdings or something. It's crazy. It's like, how do you search for this on Spotify? I know. Yeah. Yeah. And also like some, I feel like some projects now like will take a, a word or a band name that already exists, even if it's just like, you know, like pencil or pen or something but then have like five eyes and like a capital L and a lowercase L, you know, like just com combining, taking the word and you say it the same way, but combining a bizarre spelling of it. So it just looks different because everything else has already been done and taken. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I don't know. I can't get behind it. I mean, I love that there's so much art. I love that there's so much music to listen to, mm -hmm. but yeah, at, at a certain point there's going to, there's going to be overlap where you're like, are you talking about the band pencil from 1975? <laughs> or are yeah, you talking yeah, yeah. about the band pencil from 2003? And it's like, yeah, I like I the classic pencil, you know, the new pencil, mechanical pencil, a mechanical. That's the eighties, uh, uh, pencil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much like flock of seagulls. People are going to like, someone's going to be gullible enough to actually look this up and be like, mm -hmm. pencil, the band, But they're probably, sounds... there's gotta be a pencil. <laughs> I, I, sure I don't know who is. they are, but if you look on Spotify right now, I'm, I guarantee you there's a pencil. Maybe one with five I, eyes, too. Yeah, I actually want to look right now and see if that's something that exists um, because that's just me. I love looking up stuff on the fly. It's science. It is. It is. It's a science. I like what you did with uh, your musical project name, VHS. Thank you. And, I, and I, I will tell you this. I didn't even realize that's what it was until I said it out loud for the first time. I was like, oh, my God. So I had like, I just thought it was like a cool, because I don't know, sometimes you look at something and you, you just kind of like the VH and then Hess. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't say it out loud. So it didn't like, wasn't clear to me. I just thought it was like a cool, I was like, I wonder what the meaning behind that is. Is there some, does VH stand for something? And then the Hess is a name. <laughs> I, I, thought, I just thought it was cool. No, I, I appreciate that. And it that. rocked my world. 
Dude, yeah, yeah, that's that is the beauty of it. So, you know, for a while I used to contribute to everything is terrible. So mm-hmm. like VHS tapes, mm-hmm. VHS culture was like a huge part of my life, like in college and like after I dropped out. And then I really love the book Sid- Siddhartha by Herman Hess. And so mm, like, okay. VHS, VHS, VHS. Mm. And, then, and so it just kind of went from there. Nice. Kind of like the same way that you came up with Claw Dad. You're just like playing and like trying to find something that's like succinct. Yeah. 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 So I looked it up there. So the first thing that popped up when I typed in pencil was called Pencil Legs. Okay. And then that's cool. There are two other artists named Pencil. There's Lil Pencil. <laughs> what about number two? Uh, there's Pencil Dive. Yeah. <laughs> there's Pencil Dive. And there's Pencil Lead Syringe. Don't really love that. Mm mm. Uh, pencil grass. Okay. Yeah. That could, that could uh, have been us. Yeah. There are a couple pencils though. Pencil stub. Then there's just pen pals. All right. Well, wow. Mystery solved. I guess we're going to have to listen to some pencil after this. Well, now that we've discovered that we have nothing else to talk about, because that was kind of when we were prepping this, like we're going to talk about the pencil bands and everything. And then we just, we just did it. So now... We're pretty we efficient. Nothing. Yeah. We kind of just won the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So. What kind of awards do they do for podcasts? Is it like the Webby? Is it the Webby or something? I don't. There's I don't the Webby know. and then there's best uh, media content of all time, which I think we just won. Damn. Cool. I need to update my mailing address. For sure. <laughs> Any, anywho. All right. All right. Enough about pencil. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I love looking stuff up like that. I love mm-hmm. that whole like hypothetical, like what if, and then like actually seeing the reality of it. Cause it's like, we're all connected somehow. Like creativity is just yeah. this like big jar of je- jelly beans that we're all just kind of reaching into and like yeah. pulling different, but same flavors of. Yeah. And everything's, yeah. I mean, everything's been done. And everything will continue to be done over and over again. There's just too many people and there's been too many people. And yeah, we all kind of have the same at this point. So many of us are inspired by some of the same stuff, you know, and everybody just mix and matches things that they like until it becomes a unique thing. You know, we're all pulling from random influences. Yeah, no, totally. And there's no shame in that. No. Yeah. That's just how it is. The more you try to create something that hasn't been made before, right? The more you're going to drive yourself insane and like yeah. not come out with anything at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. It's like same for like people who strive for perfection. Yeah. It's just like you just have to accept like the limitations or the imperfections of something too. Cause those the imperfections can, can be something that feels new, you know, something that may be start out as a mistake or, you know, something you didn't in- intend to do adds a different, you know, flavor to it. Absolutely. I guess. Gets us thinking outside the box, mm-hmm. coloring outside the lines. Happy accidents will. is what uh, Bob Ross would say. Yes. Oh, love a good Bob Ross moment. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, you know, nothing new under the sun. So I love... <laughs> I love the cover songs that you and Claudad do because I remember mm. when I went to see y'all at a. Um, I shouldn't say y'all when I'm talking about Claudad because that's another band. Uh, I know, yeah, I'm that's realizing a, that, that now. Oh yeah, that uh, 
we not we're right. Talk to the band, y'all. That's what we say, y'all. Then we're like, oh, but I mean, y'all, y'all, not y'all. The ba- yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's tricky. But uh, I saw Claw Dad mm-hmm. at uh, Elsewhere a few months ago, and I remember specifically it was you guys covering Share Believe, and that was that was fun. I was already also a couple beers in, so I was you know rowdy. <laughs> I was rowdy. We love it. We love it. <laughs> but I had to ask this question. You know, what would be the worst song worst song you would ever do a cover of? And it could be bad in terms of like quality or bad in terms of content, or it could be like something that is unusually explicit. I don't know. You it's open to interpretation is what I'm saying here. I don't know what worst would be. Um I mean, I kind of like the challenge of trying to make something weird work, especially with like folk and bluegrass music, you know? Um, cause I think, cause we do the cover of, uh, believe, and that's not a song you necessarily think would even work in that genre, you know, but you, but we make it work. Like you hear it. And it's like, okay, that actually like, cause that's what the, th- when we first started playing it, cause Sam, uh, Kempe, our bass player, he's the one that had the idea. Cause he was like, just walking, he was at, uh, at a bar or something and they were playing believe he was like dude this song rolls you know because <laughs> i mean i'm sure you remember back in the day that song would be on the radio 24 7 and i liked it back in the day but then there just comes a point where you just are so sick of it and you don't want to hear it anymore and it's so you know oversaturated where i like i didn't think about that song for i don't know 15 years something like that then he said it i was like yeah that that song rips i haven't thought about that in a long time and then they're like <laughs> We like figured out how to play it, and like the first run through of the verse and chorus, we were like, "Oh shit, this is something right here," you know. Uh, and now we play it um, quite a good amount, you know. And it always, it always gets a reaction. I think most people have that reaction of like, "Man, I haven't heard this song in a long time," but yeah, it's awesome, you know. And we do a version of it that you know we kind of do our own take on it, but it still is close enough to the original where you know anybody can sing along with it, and know what's going on. Um, but worst songs, I don't know. Um, I, I kind of want to do more outside the box covers like that because we do, you know, we play some, we do mostly original stuff, but we do play some covers um, in there that are, I, I think people may not even realize they're covers because we do, we do some, um, we do a, some traditional songs, not very many. I kind of try to stay away from that stuff mm-hmm. um, just because that's what so many bands that are in this space do. They just kind of rehash some of the same stuff over and over again, traditional old time stuff. Right. Um, but we do do some older songs that I think people are kind of obscure that people don't realize are covers. Like we do this song by a banjo player. I love, uh, who went by his name's David Aikman, but his stage name was string bean back in the sixties. Uh, uh, and he's huge influence on my playing and his style too. He's a very, he's a very comedic performer and a very, uh, sort of oddball guy that, you know, every time he would get up on stage would just kind of, throw people for a loop with what he was doing, but also he's an incredible player. We play a song of his, uh, it's on our record. It's called Herdin' cattle. And, you know, I think people would just assume that's one of ours. Cause that's not a song you'd ever hear on the radio. You, unless you just listen to one of his, that specific record that I love of his, that's like track 11, you know, like it's just hidden away in history at this point. So we have some stuff like that. That's not immediately obvious. Um, and I sort of lost the initial point I was working toward with that by saying all this. Um, but in terms of doing covers that people recognize, I kind of, I do want to do more, uh, unexpected stuff. Um, 
a recent one we've been discussing, and I don't want to give too much away of the mystery of how we make the magic happen. No, give me the exclusive. In our Let's outfit, but exclusive. this we're going to have exclusive here on Parallel Play. Uh, we've we've uh, we've been trying to work out, and we haven't put as much work into this as we have to because we've been gigging so much. We haven't really been able to write a lot of stuff recently, but uh, we've been talking about doing No Strings Attached by Sync, which I think oh, would be what? very very fun. We also discussed uh, Space Cowboy off the No Strings Attached record, which is probably my favorite song off that masterpiece of an album, which I think we can all agree is uh, front to back perfect. Uh, but we've kind of tried to work out the riff of No Strings Attached and da 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 da. Yeah, that would that would be tricky, but I think we can make it work. You know. Yeah. Also, I kind of want to do a version of War Pigs. You know, Black Sabbath. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That could be cool. I'm not a huge Black Sabbath fan. Fair enough. I mean, I just don't listen to them that much. It's not like I don't like them. Mm -hmm. So, but I think, dude, covers keep bringing them. I mean, Mm -hmm. make like write original songs as well. I mean, I know you're capable of that, but I do like that. I do like that surprise because then it just like takes the energy to another level Mm because then. People can connect and be like, oh, we like the same music. We like the same things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're playing to a crowd of people that wouldn't traditionally, you know, listen to like power folk, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's kind of a beautiful thing. Not to mention like I was, while you were sharing, I was like, what if you guys did an album, a bunch of, you know, hit singles we got tired of, and then be just called, now that's what I call Claudette. Mm, whoa. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> I do want to do a... Uh- I kind of, I, I, in my uh, frantic, some of my frantic creative, you know, uh, episodes that I think those of us that make stuff have sometimes are just like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. So I've kind of mapped out the discography in my mind. So I do want to do a album of just covers at some point, um, which I think would be cool. I like, because I know a lot of bands do that. Like Vetiver did that a long time ago. Um, and that's a great covers album of like interesting, it's a mix of obscure stuff and popular stuff and. Um, there's a lot of, and that's kind of a thing bluegrass bands do too, is they, there's, it's kind of a established thing that people kind of do unexpected covers and parodies in the, in the style, you know? So it's, we're not doing anything too crazy with that, but I like kind of doing our own versions of it. And, and also, I, I mean, I just like playing cover. I just like playing songs that I like, you know? Who, who doesn't? Yeah. I mean, like, if you can play an instrument, that's, that's part of learning and practicing too. Mm-hmm. I mean, to my knowledge. No, spot, I mean, I, spot the hell on. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I learned – I had one guitar lesson, and all that I learned was uh, a little riff of, like, the 007 theme song. And so I just <laughs> played that little cool. 007 yeah, riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was, that was all right. A good riff. Yeah, not, not, not bad, not bad. Good way um, to start, yeah. Yeah, and then an end as well. Good, good place to start and stop. You did it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's all I needed. I mean, I definitely pulled like guitar tabs and tried to teach myself mm-hmm. that way, but it was like, no, I already had, I already had it in yeah. the bag. I mean, stringed instruments are just kind of suck. They're they're very difficult to play. They are. They are. So, I mean, I was a, <laughs> so hard, dude. I was. I mean, I played woodwind in high school, mm. so that was a very different. Uh, state of mind for me having flute, to translate. Playing, uh, clarinet. What were you playing? Clarinet. Yeah. Nice. I love the clarinet. Clarinet's awesome. It was great. I absolutely loved it, especially like being able to play in jazz band. Yeah. Dude, 
So do you still nice. have one? Do you ever uh, bring it out and honk around or anything? Or uh, so we <laughs> we sold it when I was uh, oh, like halfway through high school. Yeah, fair, um, fair. for reasons. And yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to purchase another one at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not at the top of my list, but I always wanted to like get another one and play it again because i'm sure it would just come right back yeah 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 and you might i don't know i mean it might kind of open new doors too because also like when you're kind of doing something when you're younger and just kind of thrust upon you in a way not to i mean maybe you want, wanted to do i don't know your exact story with it but sometimes with school stuff you're kind of like yeah. you just it's just like oh you're they're making you do this so you kind of don't care but then if you're able to do it on your own initiative you know it's way more interesting you can kind of do something and then with, i think i don't know you could work it into your into your uh, your electronic music in an interesting way. That would be that would be fun. That would be something I'd love to play around with at some point. Um, that reminds me too. You know, I have singing bowls from when I used to do yeah, all that yeah, yeah. stuff. Uh, one time, because I want to share a story with you. One time, I was at the bakery doing a sound bath, and it was so funny because there was a show that was supposed to happen that evening afterwards, but sound check was during my event, hmm. and it was a noise band playing and i'm so i'm sitting there and i'm like okay this is an interesting opportunity you know yeah 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 i'm trying to be zen i'm like it's right. an interesting opportunity instead yeah. of being like oh fuck fuck shit you know I'm like mm-hmm. we're supposed to meditate and but the band started doing sound check playing some songs and so i started kind of playing along with them and it sounded so cool i'll bet yeah it was the coolest thing so i would love to like have the opportunity to play around like incorporating sound bowls with like with like an actual band or something at some point yeah 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 because i think that that would just be that'd be such a fascinating sound. have you tried it with like your current stuff because i feel like your stuff now has sort of a trance like flow to it if that is what I, you're going for but it does you know i mean some like some of the longer stuff it like kind of builds and builds and builds you know and yeah, no, I mean that's definitely something to consider. I ha- it's honestly I didn't really think about that. And I think, you know, like when when you're creating stuff, there is that like idea, or at least for me it's like that idea of quality and so sometimes I'll stop myself by incorporating other things because I'm like, well, I don't have the setting for it. Like mm-hmm. my space isn't the ideal space for me to record and like yeah. that's why I stick to ele- you know, electronic music cuz it's a direct mm-hmm. direct line, you know. Huge advantage with that, yeah. Yeah. And so that is, it's kind of just like an ease of use, ease of production type of thing. But who knows? Who knows where we'll go with it? Constantly changing and evolving, you know? Yeah. I also bought a flute at the flea market. uh, Not my last birthday, but the one before. You didn't buy a flea at the flute market? (laughs) I didn't buy a flea at the flute market. I bought a flute at the flea market. Nice. I got it for fifty bucks. Flute of the that's a that's a song name for you right there. Flute at the flea market. <laughs> Flute at the flea market. That it, and it's and it feels good to say. It's like you're. I know. Fluttering. It's really nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Damn. Not to derail right. what you were saying, but I had to point. No, that but out. no, that felt great. I'm mm-hmm. glad that you pointed that out. I'm gonna start saying that now just to calm myself down. You know, before like a big meeting or a Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. Or that almost sounds like a, a Southern grandpa saying, you know. <laughs> like that makes less sense than a, than a flute at the flea market. I don't know. No, we can, I mean, we'll make it work. We'll make mm-hmm. it work. We'll, we'll fold it into, uh, it'll become part of the, the American lexicon very soon. Absolutely. It's a matter of time. 
in, in the age of the internet. Yeah. There'll be a meme in no time. Yeah, we got this. All right. So, uh, sorry, I'm going through my list yeah, of yeah, questions because yeah. that's, that's just what I do. I like, it's so funny. I organize it and then I make it like a checklist. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I have to catch up and like, all right, I hit that point. Nice. I hit nice. that point. Um, so yeah. So if anyone needs, needs an organized producer at any time, uh, I'm your gal. Good to know. I'm just, good I'm to just, know. I'm just, you know, trying to plug myself on my You never know podcast. who's listening. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think I know most of the people that are listening, <laughs> at least for now. But they at might share it. You know, the clip might get out there and go unbelievably viral. Somebody call a doctor because this clip is going <laughs> viral. That was the worst joke I could make. All right. Moving on. So you and I have known each other for quite some time. Um, back in high school, mm-hmm. film class uh, was like 102. It was 102 and 103, right? Or was it just 102? I, I straight up don't remember. remember the room number. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not the room number. Oh. Then, the class, no. video one and video two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And video three, right? Did, there was a thir- No, I, I actually skipped video one because oh, okay. I I ran a I ran a scam with my mom and she was working with people in media. She she worked in music and she worked and she had some people who worked in film and video. And she had this guy, Danny boy that I knew at the time. I mean, I I was, I was young or whatever. And like, so I knew of him and I'd been around them when like they worked and stuff. I think he's actually the guy that runs studio space Atlanta now. So he's like an old family friend. Nice. And yeah, pretty cool. Haven't talked to him in a long ass time, but, uh, she, my mom was like, all right, well, let's see if we can get a meeting with your counselor and see if you can skip one uh, video one, because like I heard that it was boring. It was all oh, yeah. textbook. You didn't miss and anything. I, yeah. I was like, fuck that. No, like I want to, I want to create shit. And so my mom talked to the counselor and was like, yeah, she's actually been interning with, with my, with my friends, you know, nice. or like with my like colleagues. Hell yeah. And so I got to skip it and immediately go to video two. So Hopefully, no one's going to tell on me. Um, I mean, I can't change my think, transcript now. I think you just voided your high school diploma. <laughs> that's what I was so... afraid of. Oh, well. That's okay. Oh, well, indeed. Yeah. I still uh, <laughs> dropped out of college, so <laughs> it wouldn't uh, yeah. matter anyways, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, video two, I think. And then... Uh... <laughs> remember i kind of hated our teacher <laughs> to a certain he was a nice guy great guy super nice solid he dude. got, got a little got a little hot under the collar a few times and i get it like mm-hmm. you're doing you're teaching an elective in a yeah. public high school like that's, that's bound suck. to happen yeah. dude absolutely but it was it was really the fact that he was a photographer mm-hmm. and the photos he took he only used a fisheye lens it seemed like he only used a fisheye lens and that's why i disliked him yeah and he kind of had this sort of like i'm better than than stuff mentality too like um sort of arrogant about his his work his artwork almost kind of like hey i'm doing this teaching thing but you know i'm really actually kind of an amazing photographer you know which i guess i can uh i can empathize with to a degree you know like as somebody who works a job, full-time job and does, you know, art on the, uh, on the side, or you could say my full-time job is my side hustle. That's how I like to think about it. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I can kind of understand that as an adult now, you know, but yeah. it was a little annoying. Yeah. I mean, we're all nobody somewhere, you know, yeah. like just, just roll with it, man. Yeah. And but those were the, maybe, those, those were the days. Those were the days. Then. Yeah. Those are, that yeah. was like, that was like the, uh, my favorite part of high school. Just uh, goofing around, uh, you know, just like making absurd stuff that we weren't supposed to be making. <laughs> like we were just making extra projects. Like we had these projects we had to do <laughs> and we're doing the bare minimum on those. But then we're back to like editing insane stuff together, you know, make like doing all these animations and stuff and final cut. Like I would honestly say that's where I, that's like mo most of the education I got from high school was given the opportunity to sit at a computer like that and just make crazy stuff. It's so important. And I wish that that was that more should be what, of, of school. Yeah. Yeah. More, more a part of the core curriculum, honestly. Yeah. Just or just being given an opportunity to just create with no, just make something that you are kind of thrilled to be making, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I remember there was that one, I think it was in our video three class and we were in the obviously sharing the edit bay and we were supposed to i forget like what the what the actual assignment was but i made a mockumentary mm -hmm. yeah of, of you guys working on on your video yeah which then you guys didn't really have anything to show <laughs> after he saw the mockumentary yeah i don't even remember because me and Pete were paired together to make something, and of course, we're not going to make anything, you know. <laughs> we're just dumping gasoline on each other's nonsense, you know. Like, we're not stopping each other with the weird bullshit ideas. So I don't even remember what we could have possibly been making, you know. And then we would, like, re we would like also, like, get the footage from other people's projects and re-edit <laughs> those into, like, absurd things, you know. Because our buddy uh, Fide, too, you know. Yes, um, was uh, was part of our, our our all of our nonsense as well, and he would he would make crazy stuff, but then he was actually like pretty talented in making like what the teacher wanted to see. Yes, and then he would make some kind of zany stuff in front of the green screen, like zany, and then we'd take it and make it even more insane, or just take the outtakes of it and edit it together like it's something like. You know, it was a lot of extracurricular work we were doing that just went completely unrecognized. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. I know. It's a shame. There's some funny stuff. Too. I've, I've, I feel like I still have a lot of those on a hard drive uh, in here somewhere. And there, a lot of it holds up. I know there's that clip of us hosting Blue... I mean, you may have... This is my senior year, so maybe you were gone. But I remember I, we uh, hosted Blue Devil News, the high school <laughs> news program that ran every Friday morning. Me and Fide hosted the Blue Devil News and did like... I don't know. We were doing like really weird comedic stuff with it. We were acting like, you know, there was... Like the 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 ship was falling apart right outside the screen. We're like, we had this thing where we pretended that Will Smith called into the show <laughs> to talk about Hitch. You know, like we're like, we can't believe we, Will Smith has just called in. Man, that was that probably was my finest work in high school. I don't know. Wow, it's if, not very good, wish, but you know, it was, but it's you know. it's fun. It's fun. You're like bringing a level of like inventiveness and like comedy to a place that would otherwise yeah. be like. Hosted by people who want to be class president, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, because I remember for years watching that stuff. I mean, like, this is so dull. This is just like, it's not funny. It's like these people don't really have any screen presence, you know, no disrespect. And these people were, you know, also passing these 
you know, IB classes with flying colors and I'm like barely skating by making bullshit <laughs> videos, you know, in my free time, you know. I was like, no, man, I mean, this is I what I do. It. Why can't you put me up there? Like, you know, you guys are all like, you know, valedictorian, you know, like and part of these clubs. You get to have that. Give me the, you know, the dumb green screen show. Like that's that's what I do. Let me do that. Dude, I mean, I was in IB and like I, I got I got I got sick of that because that just wasn't we didn't. That's actually one reason I dropped out of IB is because we didn't have the IB arts program. And yeah, I remember yeah. I spoke to the individual in charge of IB and I was like, well, if you don't get this, I'm going to drop out. I'm going to drop out of it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, you should stay. Basically, like th what they would do is to scare you to think that for you to think that you wouldn't get accepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like a good college or a college at all, really, if you if you left the program. Yeah, yeah. Which because I was in a freshman year and that was case. that was the uh, what they tell you. It was like. It's not gonna be good. Not gonna be good if you get out of this, you know. Then I get out of it, yeah. and I was way happier. So it'd be funny though if they did like a series where it's like, or just like comedy where it's like scared straight, and it's like all yeah. IB students like visiting a community college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or going to like the the regular <laughs> regular classes that are right down on the on the other wing of the school, you know. The chaos of some of those classes, you know. Yeah, it was great. Man. <laughs> it was awesome, dude. I remember, like, I loved my electives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved, like, also like the mandatory classes, like health and stuff like that, because mm -hmm. it was it was just the chaos. Yeah, the chaos. Yeah, like the people you got in those rooms together was such an interesting hodgepodge of you know a mix of people and just some wild, wild things would happen. Yeah, yeah. High school. All right. I don't remember any of my actual <laughs> education from high school, but I remember remember this stuff fondly. Yeah. No. Likewise. Yeah. It, it's. I just remember a lot of strange things. I remember my senior year. Someone thought. Uh, someone saw me second semester, and was like, "Venetia, where? I thought you moved to Arizona." And I was like, "No, dude. I've been here all year, and I was on the and it was on the school newspaper." So. I don't so they know. They just had it in their mind that you just moved to just Arizona, like just that state. Like that's such a random <laughs> state for you just to have moved to. Yeah, that's bizarre. Anyways, Ugh. so back to comedy. <laughs> back to comedy. So you're thinking about you're thinking about going back into comedy. Yes, making a comeback. Yeah, at some point. Um, right now, to kind of go back to earlier, we were talking about like having a bunch of projects and being able to focus on them, you know, I really yeah. want to, you know, cause I did comedy for, uh, yeah, I don't know, over a decade. I did my first, that first, uh, cool winners comedy show we did. I was a junior in high school. Oh yeah. Was that, at, wasn't that at Swayze's? Yeah. It was at Swayze's. Were you there for that? Yeah. Cause I think I was recording it. Okay. Yeah. Cause that video, I think is still on YouTube somewhere. Maybe it's unlisted, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that was my first yeah it was my first comedy show uh and it, went pretty, it went pretty well i don't know people were that was like i don't know it was a pretty great like affirming moment in a way where it's like we were just doing this weird stuff that we thought was really really funny that was make us cry laughing and then to do it you know in a pretty decently with to a de decent crowd you know it just it went and it went great it kind of you know set me on this path of doing stuff you know so yeah, we did Cool Winners for a long time. Uh, the last show was early 2021, I believe. 
Yeah, lately I've just been focusing way more on music because um, you know, I've wanted to do music for a very, very long time. I didn't really – I kind of played guitar when I was like, you know, a teenager and I've always been super obsessed with music and specific bands and specific styles and whatnot. But I always thought mm -hmm. like I couldn't actually be a musician. I thought like I didn't – learn soon enough, you know, cause I didn't really learn guitar until I was in like seventh and eighth grade. And I was just, you know, learning worship songs and whatnot with, you know, my church group. And it was just, you know, not the most challenging stuff to play. It's like this G, C, E minor and D, which is still pretty much all I play in folk music. So I guess actually it was pretty fundamental to learn. Um, where was I going with that? Yeah. So, but yeah, so I always wanted to do music and I thought, well, you know, the stuff I wanted to do, nobody would really want to hear because, you know, never been into stuff that was uh, music that was hip at the time or, you know, cool. I was like, you know, stuff that's a little more out there, a little more ridiculous to a degree. Um, I just thought, you know, nobody ever wanted to would want to hear that, you know. Uh, and I just love doing comedy, too. I love making videos. I love doing live comedy shows um, in this sort of unusual stuff we were doing this kind of mix of stand up and sketch comedy and video comedy and PowerPoint comedy is kind of the name we eventually landed on because we would just basically our shows were just us going through PowerPoint presentations to a room full of people, uh, which was unbelievably fun. And some of the best shows of my life were doing that. Um, but you know, when you're doing alternative comedy like that, it's pretty hard for it to catch on. Even though I think we had people that would come, we had people that would come to back to our shows and love what we were doing and would, watch our videos and you know we we got a lot of support but it's just kind of hard to for it to latch on we did it for a long time so then i you know the last couple of years i was like well i just want to actually make a run at doing the music thing you know like this is something i'm really passionate about and if i don't give it a shot now i you know i just feel like i would regret it you know so um when i put out my album in 2020 is what kind of kick-started this current phase of my musical output which sort of overtook because I was, we were doing the cool winners YouTube show at the same time as I was kind of working on some of this stuff and playing in some of these other bands. Um, and just the music thing kind of got more traction than the comedy thing ever did for me after years. You know, I was to my surprise, people really liked my album and really dug what I was doing. Um, and I also, you know, kind of got a comedic, I kind of got to scratch the comedic itch a little bit. Cause I, you know, I like to work humor into my music. You know, I don't, I wouldn't call my music comedy music by any stretch of the imagination, but some of the stuff I sing about is, is intentionally humorous or blends sadness and humor or emotion. You know, I kind of like to work that stuff in. And then when we do shows with Claudette, you know, I like to kind of just work the crowd a little bit or kind of try to, you know, put some jokes in there and it's kind of blends sort of my comedy experience into that so i kind of like to make it sort of this ultimate thing where it's like musical and kind of sad and funny so it's kind of scratching all the itches of everything i want to do so um i do want to get back into strictly comedy i have a lot of ideas of stuff i want to do but the music has taken up so much of my time and i'm very very thankful for that you know i love that i'm getting asked to play shows all the time and it's not something i ever thought was necessarily going to happen but I'm thrilled about it, you know, and I want to keep riding that wave as long as I can. And I feel like I'm also sort of uh, maybe in my peak vocally right now. Um, so I want to use that as much as I can, you know. So I think there'll come a point in the f near future where I, I, I want to get some more comedy stuff going. 
um, at, having been away from it a little bit. And recently I went back and watched a bunch of the Cool Winter Show episodes on YouTube. I was like, man, this stuff is really, really good. I'm like really proud of this stuff. It was so much fun to make, but it was such an enormous amount of work to make one of those 30 minute episodes. It would just be so much preparation, so much like the day of making all that happen. Cause we'd go to the studio and, you know, we were renting the studio space and was, uh, you know, we were setting up all these cameras, all these mics, you know, setting up chairs, sitting at the table and we'd have to break it all down at the end. So it's like, we're just setting up the studio, checking everything, checking on the mic sound, checking it, testing it. Then the guests would come. It's so much would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the show didn't take off as much as some of the stuff I'm doing now, hopefully, uh, seems to be trending in that direction. So, you know, now I'm just kind of riding this musical wave as, as long as it'll take me. And, um, I want to get back to comedy soon. I'm not quite sure when that soon will be, but hopefully if I can quit my, uh, day job, free up some more time, you know, I can work on getting some new stuff out there. Yeah, that'd be amazing. But to your point, it's nice that you are able to incorporate that love of comedy in, into your music, you know, because I think for people who have, for creatives who have more than one talent or something like Mm -hmm. gift that they want to hone in on, it's really important. It's like, okay, we can explore these things separately, but at some point experiment with putting it all together. Yeah. Because I think that at the end of the day is where like the true originality and inventiveness comes along. Kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier. Like that's how you get your voice. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's how you end up standing out from the crowd. It's like all of these little pieces coming together to make a larger picture. Pulling all these influences and recycling them through your filter in your specific voice. And, you know, nobody's an island and nobody comes up with everything. You know, we're all, I didn't invent stringed instruments. I didn't invent, you know, the English language. I'm just podgepodging my own version of it. That the stuff I like that has excited me over the years, you know, um, uh, and try to put it back out don't there. Be mo- don't be modest. You did invite the invite, <laughs> invent the English language. I did. I did. I'm just trying to be humble about it. You know, uh, but it also supposed like, to be a big reveal. Well, I was saving it for the end of the podcast, you know, <laughs> little twist at the end that I'm immortal and invented the English language. I'm William Shakespeare, I guess, is um, what I was working toward because William Shakespeare also wrote comedies <laughs> and probably music. I don't know. Potentially. But, you know, in this current social media landscape, you know, it's like it almost rewards you more if you pick one thing that is your brand creatively, you know, especially on like Instagram or TikTok or something. Because I kind of uh, back like maybe um, like 2020, 2021, where I kind of had a probably the most separate stuff going on that I was putting out because I was releasing music that was, you know, one of the most serious musical projects I'd ever done at the time. Then I was putting out these like little music videos I was making on Instagram of like a 40 second song loop and like green screen and all this kind of, you know, funny stuff. And then we were doing Cool Winners live shows that I was promoting. I was doing like we were doing Cool Winners. Uh, we did the Cool Winners Comedy Castle live stream show. We did the Cool Winners show on YouTube. And I think it like the algorithm doesn't reward you if you have all these highly different uh, things coming through the same channel, you know? Yeah. And people don't like people follow you for one thing, unfortunately, and kind of expect that if they follow you for the banjo music and then maybe they're not at all into alternative comedy, you know, they're you're going to kind of lose the lose them somewhere along the way, you know? So I mean. Not that I like that that's how it is, but that just seems to be the uh, the way our world is coded at this point in time. 
because all these decisions are made for us by uh, people in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And I mean, I've definitely talked about the same thing many, many, on many occasions and many a times. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's, it, it, it can be infuriating because it's like, I want to show the fullness of what I'm creating and what I'm doing. I don't mm -hmm. really want to manage four or five Instagram accounts, yeah. you know, or yeah. like four or five social accounts on one platform. Cause that's just, it's exhausting. That is exhausting. One is, one is uh, exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and have, and balancing a personal life and stuff on top of that too. It's just like, exactly. you have to do everything. Yeah, exactly. Spinning too many plates. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of going back to comedy, what do you mm -hmm. feel like are the key elements of creating like good comedy? Uh, I mean, it's just whatever makes, I mean, this is sort of something I think everybody says, but because it's just ultimately true, but it's just whatever makes you laugh. If you can stumble upon something that like you can't stop laughing at, you know, um, you should do it, you know, because how we would write the cool winter stuff basically is we would just, uh, me and Pete would just like basically drink a cup of coffee and be in a room together and we just stand up and hold microphones that were not plugged in and then just start just acting like we're doing a show right there you know like we would usually one of us will come in with like a, maybe a skit idea or maybe something very very loose and kind of an organic writing process and we would just kind of and we would usually record ourselves on a computer or a phone and just get like a 30 minute loose run through and then we would think okay that part was funny that part didn't work you know that was whatever or that was rambling and then we just do it over and over and over and over again until we fine-tune it to where there's like a specific outline of, what, of how we would run through the thing and usually it would come together at the last second right as we're about to walk on stage that's the the best shows would go that way where like we would be running we would be in the the green room like running through it like all these beats remember this thing remember this thing remember this you know and then we'll go out and do it and that's how the powerpoint thing is incredibly helpful because you had the powerpoint is sort of a a backbone of the entire show so uh, and I love one of my that's one of my favorite things about doing comedy is making or this what we would do is making these PowerPoint presentations. There's something like PowerPoint is so, so great as a as a tool for comedy because it gives a visual element people can look at. And then you can have funny gags on the screen. You can have funny animations happening. You can have like text that comes up that's spelled wrong. You can have <laughs> text comes up that, that contradicts what you just said, you know, and especially if you've rehearsed it, you can kind of have this sort of character and that's what we would normally do is play like heightened versions of ourselves we're like we're way more insecure or way stupider or way angrier it's you know sort of like a three stooges type you know characterization of yourself um that's what we would do i've never really done like actual well, i have done actual stand-up but you know like proper stand-up comedy is sort of a mystery to me and never been i've never been particularly interested in in going that route, even though I love going to stand up shows, I, you know, I love it. I love seeing somebody that has, that is incredibly good at that craft. It's, it's very impressive to me. And I love the energy of being in a room like that, where there's like a cycle of comedians coming up. They're all doing five minutes. So they're, you know, you have a headliner coming out at the end. Like that stuff is phenomenal to me. So I can't really speak to, you know, what makes a good stand up show like that. But the formula that we landed on was pretty much, we were just making stuff that we thought was hysterical. And sometimes the funniest moments would be where we were so fixated on this one little gag in there that we thought was the funniest that we couldn't even get through it without like stopping and, you know, bend over laughing at it. And then we would, in the show, the moment would happen and it doesn't even land, which then it's even funnier. Um, 
And also, I think with, I mean, I think with performance in general, I feel like I'm kind of rambling a little bit and I'm not no, really you're good. hanging I'm on to you. A, a single thread, but I also think what helps in comedy is like, and this is another thing I think a lot of people say, because it is uh, ultimately just objectively true, but learning to like bomb, not only gracefully, but I think you should learn to like actually be thrilled by bombing or being in that awkward space. Because that then if you can get good and comfortable at that, then you're completely bulletproof, you know, because if you're going to do comedy or any kind of performance, you're going to have that moment again and again where it's not working or you mess up or the jokes aren't landing and or the room's not quite getting it, you know, and you're up there and everybody's looking at you and you got the microphone and you just have to learn to be, okay, this is actually kind of fun, you know, and that's has kind of transferred into my music too, you know, cause I kind of, now I like, we have like an act we have built with Clawdad, you know, we have like, we have like a couple of set lists. We'll kind of cycle through of songs that flow into each other and we'll try to match moods, you know, so it's not too many funny songs after another, too many sad songs, too many slow songs, try to have like a good flow of a, of a show. Um, but regardless, there's, you know, a lot of times that sort of awkward, in between space, in between songs where we have to kind of retune and it takes about 45 to 60 seconds or maybe even longer. Um, cause with folk instruments and acoustic music, the stuff is so you had to get it right in tune. It's very difficult. So then you have mm-hmm. that awkward moment where we're all up there twanging and then having bombed so many times in comedy and, you know, done this awkward, horrible stuff on stage, you know, I like I love some of those moments in between are now my favorite parts of the show where I can just start like bullshitting into the mic while I'm trying to get my D string in tune and just see what people will respond to. And sometimes I'll say the same stuff again, you know. I have a joke that's kind of been worked into this part of the show, or I'll just kind of say something that I'm feeling. Sometimes it gets a laugh, sometimes it's very awkward. And if it's very I like either outcome. You know, I don't really it's better if it gets a laugh, but if it's not, then I think it's funny that I'm up here. I that thrill's never gone to me either, that I'm like up here with a banjo in my hand and, you know, um, people are staring at me and I'm, you know, in this incredibly bizarre situation <laughs> and maybe it's really, really awkward. And I love that. It's really awkward. I just like, that's like my favorite stuff in the world right there. So now I've kind of, you know, try to embrace the, uh, the unknown or being in that space of, of the awkwardness of the in-between and, you know, if anything, kind of drawing out the awkwardness. Cause you know, sometimes that, awkwardness can make the room laugh and kind of creates a moment for everybody in the room. Your everybody's kind of a part of it to a degree. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a human moment and it's also like a great way to temp check the room. Yeah. hundred percent. Like getting that crowd response. Cause I know like when I'm having a good time at, at a show and someone's retuning or doing some tweaks, like you get a couple woos, you know, mm-hmm. people get excited, you know, or people like that t- stuff. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's almost like giving, giving the audience a chance to like have a, have a quick convo with you. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they don't want to. So sometimes, yeah. you know, it just depends on the night in the room. Sometimes I'll really lean into that and I'll talk between every song. Sometimes the room is maybe we're in a passive room. We're playing a brewery or something and people aren't really necessarily completely dialed into what we're doing. So I'm not going right. to sit there and just like bullshit and try to get people's attention. I'll just, you know, well, maybe say something and maybe I won't. We'll just go to the next song, you know? Yeah. So it's just, just like, hey, hey, what you drinking? What you, what, yeah, what yeah. are you drinking? Yeah. Yeah. Most people kind of hate that too. If you're just like trying to be Mr. You know, funny yeah. guy, it's like, hey, you know, just, Mr. just play Crowd the music, work. man. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not always called for. So it's just like, just read the room and figure out 
what's going to work and what won't, you know? Yeah. Just different every time. Yeah, exactly. And just not taking it personally. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Definitely. Which is easier said than done for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can can relate. I mean, I've never played. I mean, I played in band in high school, but it's not the same. It's not the same. You're in like a a sea of people in, in high school. Anyways, but one thing that I loved about like like the Cool Winter shows mm-hmm. and PowerPoint comedy was there was this facade of interactivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would happen, and so it's like I always like, especially when when you guys would like do the games, like the, the video <laughs> game yeah, yeah, bits. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, fantastic. Those are yeah. Those are I think that was when we when we unlocked the fake video game thing is when we really that's when the sh- the whole act leveled up a notch you know and then once we started doing that that just became a staple of what we were doing you know like when we did all the cool winners uh youtube shows when we were doing the live streams during covid we would do the cool winners comedy castle which was we would do these two-hour live streams in our my sweaty uh living room cramped onto the screen <laughs> screen with my terrible imac that we're running off the webcam and like we had these animations behind it was like the most janky show of all time and people were calling in you know it was awesome um but we had the fake video games there and people would call in and we try to play the video game and it looks like it's a real game but it's actually a completely orchestrated like train track of events that were leading you into these traps of like hey pick this one it's the wrong thing you know but making that making those was fun as hell that, that's the main thing i want to get back into with some of that stuff is just making those absurd fake video games. That was, that was definitely one of my favorite, one of my favorite bits was just like, anytime the video game would come, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's get it. Yeah. Scalpachi, Scalpachi Industries. Yeah. That was the fake, uh, uh, production company. Yeah. They... Um, yeah. So Stuff was do fun. you, as you kind of, you kind of mentioned this when you were talking about like your time with cool winners. Um, but do you ever, embody an alter ego when you perform like in any capacity like what even for example like when you go when you were creating that buffer like getting your kind of like calluses so to speak when it came to like dealing with awkward moments on stage did you ever once try to don an alter ego or was it just something that you just tried to integrate into who you already are um yeah i mean i think for the cool winter stuff it was definitely i think for the whole time it was definitely like a uh, an alternate version of myself like basically like the most disgusting version of myself possible like especially like some of those shows because to combat stage fright a little bit i would just go out there and just be at an absolute 10 and would just be jumping around and like screaming and stuff you know and like for some of those shows i'll be like screaming at the audience or whatever or you know and like people like that kind of stuff if it's in the right environment you know we're like we're talking about like i don't know like Wendy's or something like that. Or like, we're talking about like some obscure, like cartoon mascot, you know, and we're like screaming about it on stage and like giving the mic to people. And then like, they say, something, no, don't do that. Shut up. You know, just like being hyper aggressive with people, which I don't really, I don't really like doing that anymore. You know, I think there's even in my current stuff that I do live, I think there's somewhat of an element of a stage persona that I think is more true to my actual self. I think now I'm being more genuine on stage but i think there is a like a stage version of myself and then a real version of myself that are sort of separate but i think um but in my mind with a lot of this stuff is like i like the putting on a show aspect of it you know like it's an act you know even though we're playing songs that are super personal and super real to me some some of these songs were we play now are like 
kind of devastatingly emotional from my perspective. Like they were like very, very difficult to write about, you know, a heartbreak or, you know, something like that, that was, you know, incredibly difficult to live through and sad. And then kind of working through those emotions in a, in a tune and, you know, sort of masking the reality of the situation, you know, not to betray, um, or not to be too, you know, transparent about or make it about any specific person or anything like that, you know, but kind of create mm -hmm. a feeling that we can all relate to that came from how I felt about a specific romantic situation or a breakup or something, you know. So some of these songs that are very real and personal, but the stage presence and is a little, you know, it's a little show, a little more showmanship than like me being like raw and transparent on stage, you know. Yeah. But a lot of the, a lot of the people that really inspire me kind of sort of did that too, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, made no secret of me being a huge Jethro Tull fan in my life. You know, I think anybody that knows me knows that I'm a massive fan of that ridiculous band. Um, <laughs> and Ian Anderson of, uh, he's the leader of Jethro Tull, the guitarist and singer and flautist and absolutely madman frontman. sort of had that element too, where he's, his songs are very personal and real, but when he's talking to the crowd, there's sort of this element of like, um, is he being serious? Is he being, you know, is he messing with us or is he, and he'll say real stuff, but he kind of has this sort of like, you know, like, Hey, you know, type element to it, you know, which I've always thought was really, really cool. And I don't think a lot of performers necessarily do that, you know, and I kind of like that, that showman element to it a little bit where I, you know, you have to be hyper aware that like you're putting on a show. It's like a, you know, I almost, think of this as what we do is like a circus act to some degree. It's like, we have this whole program we have memorized and written out for you. We've done it a million times and we know what works and what doesn't. We have these kind of bits of banter. I do back and forth with the band. We're like me and John, you know, he's the fiddle player. We'll kind of like go back and forth with each other, stuff like that. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a rehearsed act that, you know, is different every time, but you know, it's, we're trying to make the best show humanly possible, you know? So, um, that's what I like. And I, I like to see other people do stuff like that, to be fully aware that like, this is an act, it's a show, it's real, but you know, like we're putting on something, we're not just up here like messing around and, you know, sometimes I see bands live and they don't kind of lean into that fact or they just kind of don't say anything or they're just like, I just kind of see stuff like this. Like you'd be doing a lot more with this to make it a little more engaging and entertaining, you know, but that's not everybody's style. And some people are, you know, don't view it that way and don't like, you know, that aspect of it. I'm sure some people see what I do and think this is absurd. You know, this guy should be a little, a little more subdued or something, but you know, I don't know. But I, I see to, I see to your point though, in terms of like showmanship and really like br bringing the energy, so to speak, because at the end of the day, like you're not just there to play, you're not just there to play the songs. You're not just there to play the instrument. Like you fill up the room. Right. Mm -hmm. And it also keeps it interesting on your end. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it doesn't get monotonous and it doesn't feel like the same old rigmarole mm -hmm. of like, even though, even though you're passionate about music, you love your music, you love your songs. There, there's a point where you got to like, keep it exciting for yourself and you have to invite that type of play through yeah. somewhat, you know, point of improv. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and that's a whole nother element of the show to play with too. Like it's one thing to, you know, we work our asses off on these songs and we practice them all the time and work on new stuff and then try to even the songs we've played a trillion times sort of add new elements to them of new points where we try different stuff, you know, mm. but that's only one part of the um, performance. You know, there's also kind of the style and the voice of the, of the thing too, you know, like 
what is how do we interact with the room? How do we inter- interact with the crowd? You know, like when we're up on stage, what are people half paying attention to us or are they like, what is happening? Or this is something's happening up here. You know, like these guys are doing something that is a little insane to a degree, you know, <laughs> not to oversell what we're doing, but it's like, a you know, insane, but like, you know, bands kind of get up and just start playing. Oh yeah. Music's happening. But if we're up there, we're kind of turning the thing on its head to a degree, or at least, attempting to i don't know how successful we are but you know i just i I try to do stuff that i would like to see people do that i think not enough people are are doing at this point in time especially in the the bluegrass and folk world i think the bluegrass and folk world you know i as a little uh come a little um what's the word i'm looking for maybe specifically stylized or 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 somewhat you can kind of be expect you know what you're going to get out of some some stuff sometimes you see gotcha, yeah. an acoustic band or a bluegrass band, and then there's the whole jamgrass scene. There's kind of like segmented versions of, of of acoustic and folk music, and I think folk music is notoriously hyper serious. You know, mm-hmm, there's not there's mm-hmm. very few, or I mean, there certainly exists, but there's not a much of a comedic element with with folk music, and you know, it's sort of got this. You know, if you want to talk about people that are maybe a little too serious sometimes, folk music I think is especially. Uh, guilty of that and that's i think i don't think there's a lot of people that are trying to throw a wrench in that and make something that's unexpected and and funny and fun i think because that's what people i think say about our stuff is like oh it was like a lot of fun like it was you know surprising and fun and it's like you know i don't think you can you can you see somebody with an acoustic guitar get up there sometimes you're like i kind of know that you know there's going to be a certain flavor to this and the songwriting can be incredible and everything and it's like but you kind of there's not necessarily a part of it that kind of like, like what what was that going on there you know and i mean i feel i mean i personally feel like with bluegrass in particular and and with the banjo it 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 lends itself to this like jub, jubilant yeah. jubilant nature you know Big so time. i yeah. i i do i do like that aspect of play and fun and just mm-hmm. like the the joy, the energy yeah. that comes from Claudette specifically. We're just, we're just really pushing Claude, Claudette. <laughs> I, I, at this point in my life, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. You know, I mean, no, you guys have been killing it though. Thank you. Like every time I'm like looking on my IG stories, I'm like, damn, another show. How did I, like, you know, like I'm gonna get sick of you guys pretty soon. That's what know? I'm afraid that's of. What... I think we're, we're pushing it so hard. I'm like, I don't know if we should need to, we need to pump the brakes a little bit where it's like, we're in everybody's face too much. No, I'm but, kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I think I think it's awesome, and it's good to see people, especially especially in like a group project, you know, really come together and just kind of put their all into it and go like full steam ahead, yeah. like you guys have been doing. And the, it's yeah, really and, inspiring to see. And, and the guys, I mean, I could not ask for two better guys to to be doing this with. Like, um, I mean, just absolutely incredible players, rad dudes. Like, I just like hanging out with them too. That's another thing that's great. Is like. We have practice that, like, we'll usually we'll practice some. We'll hang out beforehand, practice, eat, practice again, then hang out afterward. You know, we've spent so much time together in various ways. Like, I and I just really, really enjoy these dudes. Um, um, John is extremely hilarious and and weird and surprising all the time. He's one of the most talented musicians I've ever met in my life, and he's still he's also one of the wackiest guys. And Sam is is. One of the coolest people I've ever met. A guy has got been playing for years and so many cool bands. I always like hear him casually mention, like, "Oh yeah, I played in that band too." I'm like, "Oh, you you played in this band too?" You know that like I like. You know, I didn't even know. Um, and I've wanted to have a trio for a long time, and I could not have asked for two better dudes to be 
to be in it with me. So I'm very thankful for that. And they're dedicated. They work, they work their asses off on this stuff. Yeah. I mean, the chemistry's there on and off the stage. So, I mean, I definitely noticed that and I respect that very much. Okay. Now that I'm done giving you your flowers, um, <laughs> do you want to, do you want to play a game? Yeah. And then, and then we can wrap up. I love doing the games at the end. I think it's fun. It's yeah, like, <laughs> right on. Sorry if I went off on for too long about um. Dude, absolutely not. Stuff, it's but... not me. Like it's not me coming with like the shepherd's crook or whatever. Mm. No, I got you. I got like, you. Get you off stage. It's just I just want to go eat tacos. Oh, respect, respect. Yeah, I'm gonna have some. I'm gonna have some late night tacos. So, anyways, uh, I already told you what the game is, but for everyone at home, I'm going to show Grant. Photos of different cars, like the make and model, mention the make and model, and he's going to tell us, as far as like the people that would own these cars, what their brand of comedy might be, what they might find funny. Does that make sense? I feel like I feel like I could have said that in a more succinct way. I think it makes sense. Okay, cool. Well, Co comedy cars. Comedy cars. If people drove this, what would they think is funny? All right, so I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. And uh, we'll get going. And if we get stuck, it's cool. We can always skip to the next one. I got kind of stuck trying to figure out which car, like which cars to choose for this. There's a lot of cars um, out there. There are a lot of cars. I actually like looked up articles of so, like popular popular car brands, popular car models. All right, hold on. Let me try to. There we go. Oh, All that's right, that's the ticket. Is that your wallpaper? Yeah. It's beautiful. Right? It's gorgeous. That's awesome. I forget who the artist is, but I, I am just in love with the color palette here. I know. Me too. All right. So first one up we have, and I'm not, I don't know the year for all of them, but this is a 1981 Buick Century. It's a pretty dope car. Right? I think it's pretty good. But it to me, it's, it's giving like drunk uncle i'm thinking like like um so it's a 1981 i'm thinking like somebody that's just super into like classic 70s comedy you know richard pryor um um george carlin um you know and somebody that thinks that like comedy is never that's comedy you know like <laughs> like nothing has improved past <laughs> then you know maybe they uh maybe they are still listening to some bill cosby records you know you know without telling anybody yeah, comedy just went it, – it's not what it used to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Accurate. I mean, so so Drunk Uncle. Drunk Uncle. Yeah, it says Felix on the front, so it's your Drunk Uncle Felix. Yeah, Drunkle. Drunkle Felix. The Drunkle Felix. Fabulous. All right. Uh, I, would, I would drive that car. That's a, that's a dope car. I mean, it's pretty clean. I'm not going to lie. It's not that bad. All right. Let's see what else we got. We got the Cadillac Escalade. Hmm. I've been watching a lot of Succession, so all I can think of is just Succession. Yeah, yeah. So this, this, well, this also looks like a, you know, like Christmas time where they show these car commercials where like a husband or wife buys their partner a brand new car for Christmas and they're not aware of it and they walk outside and there's the car with the big bow on top, you know? Yeah. Um, that's what this looks like to me. No disrespect to anybody that has this car. It's a clean car. Um, so some, and, th and these are the kind of commercials you see uh, during Super Bowl, the Super Bowl. You know, as well, or Christmas time, super, you know, like peak, like mainstream TV moments. So maybe these, these, whoever drives this thinks Super Bowl commercials are laugh out loud funny. Yes. 
I think that's, I mean, I think that's solid. And honestly, I can't remember the last time I laughed at a Super Bowl commercial. They're, they're the worst things that human beings have ever created. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was, there was one point, there was one point I feel like growing up, like there were, there were some pretty good ones, but that's back when like people had cable. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's just celebrity cameos and, um, it's a disgrace. Yeah. Now it's it's really fake entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's really just the halftime show. Truly. For me. Yeah. No disrespect anybody that likes Super Bowl commercials, but they're not Uh, for me. Speak speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Tons of disrespect. Yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> Had to do it. Dodge Charger. Oh, okay, okay. What kind of comedy? Maybe, um, maybe they're still rocking with Dane Cook. Definitely, like Dane you know? Cook, or like they, yeah. they really love like the Fast and Furious series. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they think Vin Diesel should should <laughs> start a career in comedy. I think he should too. That would be awesome. That would be kind of that would be kind of funny. That would be in a, hilarious. In a different way, in yeah. my opinion. But yeah, yeah, maybe but, uh, maybe he's unintentionally funny. Is probably how it would go. Right? Are they like they love The Rock in Baywatch? Yeah, this is this is yeah. That's like the the comedy movies they watch is anything with The Rock, you know? Yeah. All right, that was easy. Uh, Ford Explorer. I feel like this is like really close to the Dodge Charger, but more of like no, the Family Man version. Yeah, it's different. It's um, it's got a mom and dad car vibe to it a little bit. Also, cops, because I know like Ford Explorer is also a popular cop car in some areas. All right, so this is maybe somebody. It's a family. They have some young kids, and um, the only media they really get to consume is is kids movies you know kids shows in Kanto. they watch in Kanto a lot uh frozen you know good flicks but you know when you have uh young kids you tend to watch these things 500 times a week you know um right so maybe and that's that's what they consume and then comedy wise they're they don't even know they don't even really know what stand-up comedy is anymore because they're just <laughs> they can't turn on a tv without it being turned to you know um Caillou or something, or no, that's probably too. Good, but, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying. So then maybe, then maybe on a date night they go to a comedy show. Maybe they see, um, you know, Tom Segura coming to town. Tom Segura is great. You know, maybe Tom. I think Tom Segura. You know, maybe Tom Segura. All right, and I then know they, Chris. Uh, it rocks their world. You know, I like yeah. Tom, I like Tom Segura. No, I was yeah, I was about yeah. to say like uh, the, yeah, not, I mean. Not, saying anything negative about that but it's like you know that's like they've watched tom segura like this is the funniest thing i've ever seen for numerous right. reasons mainly because i've, I've seen in contest seven times this week and here's an adult man actually saying funny stuff this has brought right. me back to life and they just ride that way for another like five to eight years however long it takes for their kids to become teenagers yeah and then they take yeah. them to see tom segura exactly if they have a good relationship Otherwise, they they raised a bunch of Disney adults, and that's a whole nother story. That is, uh, yeah, you don't want that. No, no one wants to see that. All right, <laughs> all right, Ford F one fifty. I mean, like, this like, is blue collar comedy tour. This is blue collar comedy tour. Um, yeah, Ron White, maybe probably some Bill Burr. Oh, definitely, probably Bill some Burr. Bill Burr. Um. I like Bill Burr too. To be honest with you, you know? I mean, I mean, I don't mind that. I mean, we're just we're dynamic people. Yeah, we are. We you know, and everybody, everybody is dynamic. Yeah, like 
But this is just, it's fun to play with stereotypes. It's fun to play with <laughs> assumptions, you know? It is it is fun to put people in a box. Very true. And riff on it. Yeah. No, this is I mean, this they, is this is uh, some some working some working man comedy right here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and they would still like Super Bowl commercials, I think, just a little bit. Or they no, they, they think, no, they think they're too woke. <laughs> okay, so they mute them in it's order like, to wait for the game to come back on. Yeah, or put about something about it on Facebook. Right. It's a nice truck, though. It's it's not bad. I would like Solid to have a truck. Tires. Trucks are dope. Uh, we have a Jeep Wrangler. So, hmm. Outdoorsy. I mean, a Jeep Wrangler could go many ways. Because also, I think, like, I don't know why I want to say Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott is not a type of comedy. But I remember <laughs> Missy Elliott in the old days. And, like, the, I don't know, for some reason, Jeep, Jeep Wranglers and Missy Elliott go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what this one. Um... Maybe somebody that, um, you know, they're outdoorsy. They go camping on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't even listen to comedy, you know? They probably don't. Or there's someone that they know that they think is the funniest person. Or they're they're probably, like, podcast heavy. They're probably podcast, like, Ooh. comedic podcast heavy, you know? That's a good one. That's a good little curveball yeah. you threw in there. I think that, that was wise. That I was a tricky so one. Yeah, they, like, listen to um, listen stand-ups do podcasts but they don't really go to stand-up shows because they other weekends they drive out to camp and you know drive through creeks and whatnot and they just power through podcasts yeah they don't even have time to catch the show no all right great done all right uh mercedes g-wagon hmm i'm thinking like alley g Wow. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably big Sasha Baron Cohen fans. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is why this is a wild car right here. The frog green. Dude, I had I had to pick. I was like, you know what? We have a lot of like basic, like neutral colors. I want the frog green one. Yeah, I like I the frog good. green. It is. It's a. It's a good car. Yeah. Who 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 do we say they they listen to? <laughs> I forgot. Sa- Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. No, they only like. Um, this, they only like Sasha Baron Cohen in the Les Miserables uh, film adaptation. <laughs> that is oddly specific. Yeah, I don't know why that just popped in my head. I've thought about that in a long time, but we'll take that it. is the only thing, only media they consume. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think you're right. That and like probably some like Red Pill podcasts, but right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe a little Joe Rogan, a little Joe Rogan in there. Yeah, let's throw a little bit of that in there. All right, a little bit of Rogan. Uh, Shelby Cobra. I only chose this because I used to play. I think it was like Midnight Club or something, and this was my favorite car. That's so cool. British comedy. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Top Gun or Top Gear. Top Gear. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, they they love Top Gear. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, anything with what's his face? Oh, I forget his name. Clarkson, uh, right? Jeremy Clarkson. Oh, no, the other. There's this other guy. Oh, I forget his name. Uh, it'll it'll come back to me, but we'll be done recording, so it doesn't matter. Um, we can have a just start the podcast up again, then tell me who it was, and they'll just yeah stop recording. Yeah, 
uh, it's like James or like Jamie. Something. I think his name starts with a J. Can't remember it. Um, but yeah, was that it? No, Subaru Outback. Hmm. This person doesn't know what comedy is. They like female comedians. I'm I'm putting it out there. All right. Yeah. I'm a I'm a lady. I can say it. We haven't yeah, we haven't said any any lady comedians yet, to be frank with you. Yeah, they they probably love like Ali Wong mm-hmm. or um I'm really out of the loop on. I don't. Yeah, I don't honestly. listen to that much comedy or stand up or anything really much anymore. So I'm, I'm a little out of the loop as well. I just, I, you know, I thought it would be a good exercise. No, it's a great really exercise. Like get, yeah. the, get the get the mind. I'm going. honestly surprised that I could name as many comedians as I did. I kind of impressed myself. I thought I was going to be like, um, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> that was good though. I mean, you're doing great. The, okay, we have one last one. Okay. Toyota Corolla. Jerry Seinfeld. I, yeah. <laughs> That's why then you said, I'm like, all right, let's just go to the Corolla. Pull the Corolla up. Jerry Seinfeld. The Seinfeld mobile. Fabulous. Well, that was it. That was all I have for you. Wow. That was a good game. That was fantastic. I think uh, we won. Yeah. You passed with flying colors. I think we won as a unit. You know, we conquered it. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it's a team effort, real team effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. No, I thank you, Grant. This has been an absolutely like, Bl- absolute blast absolutely blast absolutely blastly thank you venetia for having me this was this was really fun this is this was a good time it, it honestly flew by I'm, I'm like looking at the clock like oh man like it's already been 90 minutes it's crazy yeah no and, and like i just uh, you know you had a lot of great insights in terms of just like sharing how you how you approach your work and you know letting us take a peek into your process and where your mind is at in terms of your work and just creativity in general. So I appreciate you sharing like your perspectives and well, thanks um, for, thanks for giving me a platform to do it on. Cause I think all this stuff to death in my head, then I don't get to say it out loud. So it's fun to see what I think as well, frankly, see what I would say, <laughs> you know, about this stuff in a out loud sense. So that was, I was, um, thanks. Thanks to you for letting me do that. That was cool. But thanks for doing mm-hmm. this show because I think, what you're doing here is really rad. I think you're really shining a light on because I haven't been able to listen to every episode, but every time I've tuned in, it's been, I've been kind of hooked to the conversation and I feel like I learn a lot from hearing people talk. Cause a lot of it is people coming from different backgrounds and different, different lives and different, you know, you get a, you have a good eclectic, uh, diverse mix of people here doing very different things. Um, and it's good for all of us to kind of, you know, especially kind of, don't know if everybody's kind of Atlanta or Southeast space. I don't remember, but, um, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of is those of us that kind of know each other are kind of in this little circle of, of, of fools, you know, doing, doing stuff. And, you know, we all need to, you know, keep doing what we're doing because with this wave of AI coming for us, you know, we're all going to be outdone by the computers in about three months, the way the speed, this stuff is going, but I don't actually think that, but, um, Perhaps a conversation for another time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, anytime you want to hop back on and I don't know, get in, talk about AI, have like an in-depth, like round table discussion. Let's, let's get after it. It's an interesting topic. Let's just, uh, let's do this every day at seven forty-five. <laughs> and I, I can't, I'm not I even can't take commit. weekend. Well, I can. So, you know, every, not even weekends, you know, 
every day for an hour and a half. You know what? That'd probably be healthier than anything else I'd be doing with my time. So. I don't think that'll let that be healthier. That would be unhinged for sure. Uh, I don't know. Well, anyways. Well, see, I'll, I, t- I'll talk to you tomorrow about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. guess so. See you at same time, same place. Same time, same place. All right. Well, thank you again, Grant. Have a great night. And I wanted to thank our listeners and viewers all out there. Please be sure you check the description. Uh, whether you're watching on YouTube, Twitch, or listening on your favorite podcast platform. That way you can follow Grant and all of his wonderful musical projects that he is involved in. And stay tuned for the next one. We'll be back next week with Pitar Fleming, who is an Atlanta local artist. That's going to be good. Oh, yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's it, y'all. So cool. thanks again for tuning in and have a good night. Thanks Bye. a bunch.